0: Hey everyone, welcome back to TV Guys, the show that manipulates your heartstrings with humor. I'm Matt. I'm Brian. And uh, we are talking about one of those uh, TV character tropes once again, the manipulator. It's just Brian and I today. We couldn't find our own manipulator to bring on as a special guest.
1: Or maybe that's the manipulation. They all want to stay away from us.
0: (laughs) Maybe. Maybe you can't trust anything. Why did not we save this for April 1st? Now, like, I know we're only a minute into it, but it's just like, yeah, we could make this work for April 1st.
1: You could say that you're manipulating maybe just me because for the past few weeks you've been using the same, like, fancy living room backdrop to make it look like you're super rich. I am.
0: I'm super rich. I'm so rich that, like, right around my neck I'm breaking the third dimension and portaling into someone's closet. So...
1: Yeah. That's, that's how that
0: looks. Yeah. <laughs> Another visual gag that doesn't work for an audio podcast.
1: You know, spoiler alert, one of the people we're going to talk about does have a hidden entrance and uh, of tunnels in his closet. What?
0: Gee, I can't imagine who it is that you're talking about. My name definitely has nothing <laughs> to do with that all right so for me i actually have how many do i got because i've got a good amount i've got 11 names on this list because like i started writing some and i just couldn't stop and some of them i'm going to be honest are a bit of a stretch but i feel like we've got to start off with like the guy that defines i feel like if we're talking about a manipulator. It's one of these people that they're always a step ahead. They're always pulling the strings. You can't trust anything that they're saying. They use whatever means, whether it's extortion or charisma or subterfuge, whatever they can to get their desired response. And even when they're losing, they still somehow end up on top. And to me, referencing the same person you're talking about, I can't think of a better ver- uh, version of this character than Ben Linus from Lost. Yeah. Aka Henry Gale, Aka Henry Gale, who that's who we were introduced as. I'm Henry
1: Gale from Minnesota. That was like one of the one of the biggest until it's finally revealed. Like, is he Henry Gale? Is he telling the truth, or is he one of the others? Yeah. And they really play with that for a long time. And I, I forget on my first watch if I believed him or not. I don't remember.
0: Yeah, I definitely went back and forth. the The second season, it's really strong. It's not as strong as the first season, but I remember in the second season. Some of the stuff with the tail, I wasn't as interested in. It ended up being a little more important. They made it a lot more important in the storyline than it felt like it was going to be at the beginning. Um, But for me, it was like the season two picks up once they get back. The tail section reconnects with the regular section. And then this Ben Linus, Henry Gale story arc starts a couple episodes after that. And like once he shows up, he changes the atmosphere of the show without a doubt.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And I've heard that he I think he wasn't necessarily originally supposed to become a main character for the rest of the series. But I mean, when they saw his acting, you can't deny that. Yeah.
0: I really liked, um, there, there was a little bit of a placeholder others standing for us. So at the end of season one, where we got Tom, uh, on the boat and, you know, we got a lot more of Tom until he died in the end of season three. But you know, when he shows up and we're going to have to take the boy. And like, he kind of was the, uh, messenger for them once Ethan was shot. And so like we had Tom for a little while and then they bring in, uh, Michael Emerson, and he just blows it away, and we're like, yeah. we need this character back. It, well, like, what solidified yeah. it, and I'm sure it did for them as well. The producers was his little cereal, like, yeah, um, got any milk? Exactly, that whole yeah. little speech at the end. Like, it's really well written, but perfectly acted.
1: Yeah, yeah. The thing with Tom, we were viewing the, viewing the others through, we were viewing the others through the eyes of the eight fifteeners. So, Tom was their spokesman, so he seemed like their leader, and it yeah. was uh Henry Gale but Ben as Henry Gale basically said like him he's nothing no one and then we realized that yeah like Tom has like a higher position in the ranks like he ha- he's high enough that he's able to leave the island to go recruit Michael yeah. but he's definitely not the one pulling the strings at all he's like their mouthpiece basically
0: yeah i mean heck even Richard like he should in a way be the leader of the others but even he's not he like will answer to whoever is put in charge but we get very small glimpses. Like I think that's when they start developing this idea of Jacob, and like, okay, we need yeah. to have um, the guy who's in charge, and like they're fleshing out their men in bl- man in black versus Jacob storyline that kind of permeates throughout the rest of the Lost. But they flesh yeah. that out starting in season two, I think.
1: Yeah, the others are interesting. There's a lo- there's a number of them that are interesting to. Have character development. There, there's Ben along with him, like you know, Alex and Carl, Richard Alpert, Tom, and a few a few others, but like those are like the main ones. But you said, yeah, Richard, at one point he even says, like, I don't answer to well, he's a flashback when Charles Woodmore was in charge, but like he's outside of their control. But yep. Ben just always at, at any turn, he knows just what to do to manipulate, to lie. And you see it, he's kind of in control through about seasons three and four. And then even even off the island in season five when he's trying to get back, but you can yeah. see as soon as he comes back to the island and he sees that Locke is alive and we, even though we really later realize it's the Man in Black, that's when you really see Ben at his lowest and you really see for the first time he doesn't know what's going on.
0: Yeah, I I think for sure when he doesn't know what's going on, I think I really like. The, the chink that we see in his armor the most that really like di- like takes away the mystique of him was yeah. when he kills Jacob. When he's like why shouldn't I do Like asking him all these questions that's plagued him of like Locke got to see it. And like I love that he hates Locke so much because yeah. Locke was able to see Jacob. Because like Locke actually is special yeah. and he just wants to be special. And so when he like is pleading for like why what about me? And Jacob's just like, what about you? And then he like, that is the, oh, he's just some broken whiny little kid that no one ever said, I appreciate you.
1: Yeah. Well, another moment you have to mention is when Alex gets shot because you realize that he was, I mean, he basically told him, go ahead and shoot her. And his his, Alex's last words are of him saying, I don't care about her because he thought that there's no way that Charles Widmore would allow that to happen Yeah. through Kimi, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. Widmore broke the agreement there. Great character, definitely one to start off with. I want to. Uh, okay, I I threw that character out even though it's on a, both of our lists, Brian. I'll let you yeah. pick a character.
1: Well, I'll I'll pick one, but then uh, actually, I only have seven on my list. So you guys definitely have more. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go with a character. You, I don't think you have on list because you watched some of 24 right now. A ton of it. Yeah, I watched one season. Okay. Um. There's a lot of characters in 24 who could make this list, but I have to go with uh, Charles Logan, who actually was at that time the U.S. president. Uh, talk about president's presidential scandals before presidential scandals.
0: <laughs> oh, we had think, plenty up to that point. We had Watergate and Lewinsky. and
1: Yeah, but this was a, a president who was actively involved in the conspiracy to kill a former president.
0: Yeah, that's that was all of the early ones. Yeah. They
1: got in duels. Uh, do you know, Do you know much about about the whole charles logan storyline i don 't okay well i 'll try to summarize it as, much, as 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 succinctly as I can. This is from what I consider to be the best season of twenty four season five where he is the president and he's we're doing this big diplomacy deal with the with the president of russia they're like signing some treaty to be able to like be allies and if someone invades and they 're both going to use their militaries and and all that kind of stuff and it 's super important to him that this treaty goes on today, even though there's like terrorist attacks and they're saying like, don't sign this treaty. And everyone's telling him like, we should put this off until this is going on. And he's like, no, this treaty has to be signed today. And turns out as you realize through the season, it's this whole manipulation where he has this whole thing set up where like uh, this canisters of this nerve gas is going to be released by his like coordination on like the Russians so that he can invoke and invade Russia or, or something along those lines. And with in in the backstory in the very first episode, beloved character, fan favorite David Palmer, got killed, like shot in the neck in the first episode, like in the first ten minutes of the show, like that's how they start their season. Yeah. Well, he wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. He wasn't. And then it turns out that Charles Logan. Uh, n- like knew that found out that David Palmer had found out about this plan and he had to like orchestrate the killing of him. And like the last like quarter of the show is Jack Bauer knows this and he has to like fight to try to get the proof into the right places to get him out of office. While Charles Logan has like the entire U S military at his disposal to try to stop Jack from getting this proof to him. Talk about a manipulator.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll I'll see your show that I haven't seen about political intrigue, and I'll raise your show that I don't think you've seen about political intrigue, but maybe you have. I don't know. Um, we have not talked about this show too much on here, and I think part of it is the the Cosby effect, where but with a different person, and
1: that's House of Cards, where oh, I've Frank, only seen clips, but yeah, I know about the whole yeah Kevin Spacey
0: yeah so. Frank Underwood is the main character of house of cards. And it's to me, that's such another one of these masterclasses in political manipulation, because the whole show starts with him being this whip. And he was promised this uh, cabinet position by a man who becomes president and then is not given that cabinet position. And he's like, well, if I'm not given this position, I'm burning the whole thing down. And so he starts with just trying to like tear apart this whole administration. And it starts to spiral into like, wait, what are my own ambitions? I want to become vice president. I want to be president. I want to, et cetera. So it's all about manipulation and power and control. And there is some good television in it, but it's it's very like – it, I, I, I won't go into it, but he is a, a like top-notch character. Frank Underwood is so underhanded. He is like, say one thing in public, behind the scenes, does his own stuff. He's got a a hidden open marriage with his wife. They both know it, but you know, they're in politics. So they're not going to let anyone else know it. They have killed people. They have, they know where all these bodies are buried. They have destroyed careers. They've destroyed human beings for no reason. And it's just like, you keep seeing him make choices and doing things. You're like, holy cow, that's terrible. But yeah. then you see that it's going to lead him to this new position of power. And, uh, it's it's a dynamic character and it's actually really funny. I don't, you know, going back to Kevin Spacey, like that's why we haven't brought it up is because, you know, we just don't really highlight Kevin Spacey's stuff, especially after his no. allegations. But it's really funny that I don't know if "funny" is the right word. He he makes this video. I don't know if you remember it. After these allegations come out, like six months later, he makes this video around Christmas time. But he makes it as if it's he's in the character of Frank Underwood. Is like, now you didn't really think I was going to disappear, did you? And like giving his like act, you know, accent and stuff, and like the menacing, like I'm not going anywhere. Enjoy the show, sort of thing. And I'm like, you know, that's really, really tone deaf based on the accusations you're facing to treat it like it's entertainment and theater. Like even if you are innocent, which apparently he's beating some of these in court. And so who knows, but even if you are innocent, that still is really gross that you are like willingly being like, yeah, I'm this bad guy. Kind of like house of cards. I'm just like him. You want me around.
1: Like, I don't, I don't like this. Yeah. And talking about, uh, shows that are interesting to watch through conspiracies. It'll be interesting to watch that 70 show with all the recent news. Have you been following any of that? A, a little bit. Basically, I mean, Danny Masterson, who um, played Hyde, obviously got finally got convicted for like 30 years in prison, 30 years to life because of yep. you know, rape charges. And I guess Ashton Kutcher, Mila Kunis, Kurt Smith, and Deborah Joe Rupp, like four members of the cast, turns out they all signed letters Uh, of character letters for him and now people are are hating on them because they're defending someone who did that and everyone's loving on uh topher grace who i guess is like one of the only non controversial people on that entire cast now
0: yeah he he didn't he didn't sign that and then also even then like he fell away from their good graces back at the time And so people are like connecting those dots and being like, "Well, did they know? And I think, you know, you you kind of bring it as conspiracy. I think that that really is, is like, if you knew I'm going to, I won't hang any of those four out to dry right now, because like, if you knew a person in one light and didn't know this secret thing about them, you might be like, yeah, this is, I I know this person. It's like finding out one of your favorite people has these allegations against you. Like, there's no way that that's true. Yeah. And to be able to go to bat for someone that you worked with and that you knew really well, I get that. But, you know, it definitely is not a good look. I understand that, yeah. too.
1: Well, Ashton and Mila are getting more way more blowback than the actresses who played uh, actors who played Red, Red and Kitty. Yeah. Like no one's really talking about them that much. But everyone's hating on Ashton Kutcher.
0: Yep. That's yeah. true.
1: So why don't you go with another one since
0: you have more on your list than me? I do. Let's do another one that you don't know. So that then I can start having ones that you do know. So yeah. I, I talked about this guy when we did our uh, teaching, uh, like the teachers that we'd want. And the show Ozark is all about manipulation as well. And so in talking about Jason Bateman's character, you can also kind of put Laura Linney's character in on this too, because there there's multiple manipulators in that show. That show really is about this positioning and this power. And that's where it creates like that interesting t- dynamic And the, the tension is watching different characters scheme and plot against other ones. And even like them as a married couple, you know, we get to season three and, and the season one has a little bit of that too, that, they're sometimes they're scheming together and sometimes they're scheming against <laughs> each other too. And they both think that they have the best route to go, but then it's like, well, no, we're trying to stay alive. And one's like, well, what about the power and what about the positioning and et cetera. And so Marty is one of those characters that, as I had said in that teaching episode, he does so much work with a gun to his head, like pretty mm-hmm. much the whole time that at any point he could die or his family could die or whatever. And it, you know, it all goes away because of, of that and so you know he's constantly having to think three steps ahead it's so stressful to be putting yourself in that position like how do you even live like that and he i wouldn't call him as masterful as maybe frank underwood or ben linus but he definitely has a really good head for um for business and that leads him to having a good Like poker face, I think, where he's able to like face the FBI or face um, the the cartel or whatever, and be like, "This is this is what you can't do. This is what I'm doing. This is going to be good enough," and etc. So he plays the
1: game well. Kind of sounds like a little bit of like the the Walter White, a little bit of Breaking Bad, where he's kind of pushed against the wall and he manipulates because he has to. Yeah, that's
0: that's not a bad character to talk about either. I actually have him on the list too. And Walter White is definitely in the manipulative category. He's the one that's a little bit more of a a stretch because he's a manipulator, but he
1: also fits in a couple other tropes too. Yeah. Well, we can talk about Walter White because I had a different character from that universe on my list. Did you have Gus? Yeah. See, I think Gus (laughs) – you're
0: probably right that Gus is the better manipulator. And that's Mm. what's so interesting is that Walter thinks he's Gus, but really he's not. He's, He's this wrecking ball that comes in. And Gus yeah. plans super well. But go ahead and talk about Gustavo.
1: Well, I mean, I was even thinking, like, is there anybody else in that universe? And you could make a a case for Saul Goodman, especially in the B- a Better Call Saul era. Yep. But it's like, the difference is Saul improvises as he goes when he manipulates. Whereas with Gus, it's, like, calculated and so precise. It's like, if it, when it comes to music, the manipulation of Saul is, like, jazz, where Gus is, like, classical music and walt is noise rock <laughs> walt is just like not even music walt is the element of chaos that wrecks everybody's life and like nobody could take gus down until walter i mean yeah technically hector did it but hector did it through walter
0: so so noise rock is a genre where it's really like just like make noise as much as you can and it you can call it music, and it's just really like just be loud. And I'm like, yeah. this is terrible. I had a roommate who listened to noise rock. I'm like, this is this is sensory overload. Yeah, but but you're absolutely but, right. I like your your comparison. Keep going.
1: Yeah. Well, because like you see the 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 flashback is like while well, August spends so much of his life building this empire to get himself rich, to get himself into power, to take down the Salamanca family ruthlessly. And he will use anybody like he uses Walt, Walt is his ally, his guy until he doesn't need him anymore or until he becomes a threat. And then he's after Walt. Same thing with, you know, Jesse or Nacho or any of these people, you can like Walt or Gus will protect you as long as you are useful to him. And the second you're not, you're, you're gone. There's nobody that he's really loyal to except for his like boyfriend in the flashbacks, which is the whole reason for all of it.
0: Yeah. And that's such a good point about Gus because Walt is very emotional. Um, Mm -hmm. Saul is kind of walking that tightrope of emotion and what's best for him. And Saul, it's almost a little bit like he, you know, he does it to get ahead, sure. But there's Mm -hmm. also a little bit of the fun. Like he enjoys doing it. Gus does it all because of revenge. And it's funny to see like the motivations between those three. Yeah. But you you bring up a really good point about Gus not being loyal to someone about just using them. And do you think that Gus has people that he respects that he wouldn't turn on unless they turn on him first? Interesting. Cause I, I think know. I could see that he maybe had that with Gail weirdly enough.
1: I think you could see think, that with Gail and Mike. I think so because I could see that. Oh yeah. Definitely with Mike, because I think with both of them, he realized These are guys who are not – they're in the game, as Mike would say, but they're not super in the game. Like He knows that the only reason that that Mike would ever go after Gus is if Gus threatened him or his granddaughter or his daughter-in-law. As long as he's not threatening anyone close to Mike, he knows that Mike's on his side and Mike is the best person to have on your side. And he knows that Gale doesn't care about any of that. Gale just loves the science. I think Gale's not even really in it for the money. Gail's content, he just loves the science of it. And so they're not threats. And so maybe yeah. because they're not threats, he is able to have a little bit of respect for the two of them.
0: Yeah, because at first I thought, well, then he also in Better Call Saul had some respect for Nacho, but I'm like, wait, no, because he still let him die. And was going to like knew that there was no path out of Nacho dying once he did what he did with.
1: No, with Nacho was just there he realized that Nacho was an enemy of the Salamancas, and so he could be used. And it seems like he was he was on nacho side as long as he was useful to him
0: yep absolutely And
1: even when nacho died he um still didn't didn't rat out a fring he even said you think he had something to do with it like no it was me i put you in that chair which that's a, an amazing scene it's not about that but it's an amazing scene <laughs> it really is um let's i'm gonna say i've got some like
0: fun ones but I'm going to stay on the serious side and talk about one that I don't think you thought of, but you know about, and that's okay. Noah Bennett from heroes. I think if there's a manipulator in heroes, cause like, I didn't really think of him early on either, but then he comes to mind and he is like that guy, especially in the first season where he had a lot of mystery about him. Um, like, who is the man? They, you didn't even know his name for a number of episodes. Who's the man in the horn-rimmed glasses? But Oh, he's, guy, the senator from the office. The senator from the office. Jack
1: uh, it's Coleman? So, it's, yeah, that sounds right. It's been so long since I watched Heroes, so you have to remind me a little bit. But as I, as I look back, he was definitely a good manipulator.
0: Yeah, he he was that type that, you know, he had the few things he cared about. Of course, Claire. Um and like even in the in his flashbacks, he had like a little bit of that loyalty and like the the you know, starry-eyed sort of guy and like, "Oh, I I've got my principles and et cetera. But by the time that we are seeing him in modern day, his principles are just whatever I can do to serve me and the organization that I'm serving and to always be on my side. And like, you see how he schemes also with Peter Petrelli's mom. Cause like, she's also one of those schemers manipulators as well, but there's constantly this like keeping one step ahead of Siler or keeping one step ahead of Peter Petrelli's dad or all these other villains. And like, I'm going to control this new world with these talented, people these powered people and like going from there he's he's constantly sca- I I it's been a while since I've seen a hero so I don't have so many uh what was his deal again.
1: was he was he a villain or was he did he turn out not to really be a villain
0: he was an anti-hero where he did the right thing but didn't always do it the right way okay so overall simple. he was for like it's really like the people who's against you really define them because like you'd always have these big bads like siler or peter pichelli's dad or whatever and he would always be on the side against them very rarely was he uh, siding with the villain of the series okay gotcha yeah it's been a while since i've seen it so that's (laughs) that's all i got do you have other serious ones because we got like some I got a few more serious, but we got some fun ones too, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, a serious one I have would be Doctor Brenner or Papa from Stranger Things. Okay, because I mean, manipulating the the whole, I mean, the whole reason for Eleven like growing up in a lab and not knowing anything about the human world is because he basically took these humans and turned them into his scientific experiment playthings. Yeah. Yeah, and,
0: and his manipulation was like an emotional manipulation too. Because mm-hmm. like, yeah, you get that with some of these other guys, but his was like emotionally like, because you're taking these kids and you're brainwashing children mm-hmm. and then it's all to serve your needs and your desires. And yeah. it's he's a cult leader. I mean, that's really what he was, is a glorified cult leader in this show.
1: When it re- I like that they had him pit against, uh, what was Paul Reiser's character? Owens? Yeah. Because Owens was in agreement on the scientific side. He was they were on um, teammates on some on some levels, but Owens actually cared about these people and their well being and he arranged for Hopper to be able to adopt eleven. And he's like, we can do these experiments and we can find out what we need to, but we can also treat these kids with respect like they should be. Yeah. And that against against Brenner, who was always like, Oh, I respect everyone. no, you don't. And I like that in the end he didn't he didn't get the redemption because he didn't deserve it
0: yep absolutely I, I definitely agree owens i like owens's character a lot because i mean like he threatens uh teenagers at the beginning of season two but he definitely understands the make the hard choices for the greater good <clears throat> and he does a good job of keeping the greater good in mind and yeah. also realizing that in the route to the greater good you are playing with people's lives and if we can avoid it we need to, but if it's not, if it's necessary for that sacrifice, he's not afraid to make that choice. Exactly. Yeah, good character. Um, another character that's on the serious side. Uh, oh, I got. I guess I got two more. One of them is from Smallville. Um, you, I know you haven't watched too much, but you know the name Lex Luthor. Yeah. His dad, Lionel Luthor, played by John Glover. He is such a fantastic actor, such a fantastic character, and it's it's really smart writing early on in smallville like you can call it primetime soap opera whatever you want but there is such a strong writing dynamic between lionel and lex and that it's elevated by good actors too especially uh john glover that you see how many times he manipulates his son and how many times he withholds Affection and love, or anything that a dad should provide, in order to make his son "quote unquote" strong and to be this business-minded, savvy, and it's really that is what creates the Lex Luther we know from the comic books because he's a good guy in the first couple seasons with some obsessive qualities. It's like, sure, anyone out there, Monica from Friends has some obsessive qualities. She's not a no. bad guy, and so like, it's that's not bad on its own, but left to his own devices and being manipulated by Lionel, you see him going down consistently that dark path and it's like, you, your heart hurts for Lex, but you understand because of Lionel. So he's a good yeah.
1: manipulator. It was like an origin story of how the villain became the villain. Yeah.
0: And it's funny because Lionel ends up actually having a <laughs> redemption arc at the time that Lex gets further into his villain arc. And it's really interesting to see that switch and, and the dynamic change. Um, the other one that I had is another character that you knew. And this is less the master manipulator. And we've had him before on this, but I, I just wanted to throw him out because I love to talk about House as much as I can, apparently. yeah, But House is good at manipulating in terms of like... he's he's definitely in that realm of i'm gonna play three steps ahead i'm always gonna outwit he's the smartest guy in the room and not afraid and like he knows where a conversation is gonna go a lot of times and he knows like if i do this or prod this with cuddy or wilson or one of my crew that they're going to eventually arrive at this conclusion or do this and so to see him like start these these domino effects with these characters can be a lot of fun. And there's a number of times too that he manipulates the patients into doing what he knows is the best course of action. Because sometimes he uses his manipulation for good to save the patient and when they're obstinate, like, I won't do this, but like, well, here I'm going to trick you into doing this because I know that this is the best for you.
1: I think this is the it might be a first of of one character being talked about on two different character types.
0: Yeah, I mean, what, yeah, it's and, fine. Uh, yeah. What was the other one that we had? I can't remember the character
1: type, it's but I narcissistic, know narcissistic uh something.
0: Yeah, cuz we also talked about Walt in that same one, Walter White oh, yeah, we in did. House.
1: And it, and that's life people aren't in these neat little boxes as as yeah. much as we're trying to put them in neat little boxes.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: So I've got five
0: fun ones. How many how many you got?
1: I've got three left. Two okay. are oh, well one is one is comedic and two are kind of on the borderline. Okay. Go ahead. Alright, uh I'll start with the one you don't know because that will be quicker. It's from Supernatural. It's I'm I'm guessing you don't know anything about it except for that one episode I made you watch, which this character's not in.
0: Ah, yes. Good old not appearing in this episode. That was my favorite character.
1: No, his name is uh Crowley, who was a demon, and he and uh played by the actor Mark Shepard, and he was on the show for a good multiple seasons, and he's like the big bad, the villain. And it's like he's not so much that he wants to to kill the brothers, he he just has his own agenda where he wants to take on everybody. He, I think I think at one point he wants to take like take over. He wants to take over hell from Lucifer, and he's just like oh, a pain in their a pain in their butt. Just that all, all along the way, and I forget all because I haven't seen it in a while. But he's one of those guys where it's like it's frustrating as to watch as a viewer because you know we're out, we're with Sam and Dean, and we're like okay, we're watching their plan, and as soon as, soon as he shows up. Like, man, this guy's going to screw it up again. And he does it with like this stupid, like charm. And it's like, Oh, Hey boys, I'm doing blah, blah, blah. And on the funny side of it, I guess behind the scenes, Jared and Jensen, the two lead actors, uh, they're, they would have prank wars with each other and it would just escalate too much. They had, they had to like put a ban on those two pranking each other. And so those two would just prank the actor who played, who played this demon Crowley. And he had to be like the victim of all of their pranking. Cause they got their energy out. It was like two gyms in the office battling each other. And he was the Dwight.
0: <laughs> That's great.
1: Yeah. I, I don't have any behind the
0: scenes of any of these other characters, but um, I, I just am going to add one other one to now have six. And yeah. um, just because this has been a, a big summer for this show because it has just recently got on streaming and we haven't talked about it before because neither of us had seen it until now I've watched about four seasons of it, but I've been watching uh, suits with Angie. And so Suits is a a show about lawyers and it's like some of the best lawyers in New York, this prestigious law firm um, with um, Harvey Specter as the main character. And he's, he's the one I want to talk about just really briefly that he is very charismatic. He's like the quote unquote best closer of a law uh, lawyer in New York. And so he gets all this like praise and, adoration and etc but he's constantly like playing the game like as a lawyer he's constantly like trying to push and like i'm going three steps ahead and i'm gonna come up with these things to to entrap the other guy and like i'll set bait for him and they bite it and like oh but now i'm gonna slap you with a subpoena because you did that and all this sort of stuff so that shows a lot of fun if you guys have been if any of you out there are like Angie and I we were like, what we need something to watch this summer. And then all of a sudden it gets added to Peacock and Netflix and like, Hey, here's this new show I've never seen. Let's watch this. Then that's been fun to, to rediscover or to discover for the first time. And it's got Megan Markle in it. So you're just like, Hey,
1: look, there's a Duchess. <laughs> She, does, she, does she still act or is she just being a princess? She's just being she's being a princess. Or, or Actually, it, I think it?
0: technically they're excommunicated from the throne that um they had some sort of separation, which is why they live in Canada. I okay. believe there's something with that. But there yeah, okay. I said I didn't know stuff about behind the scenes, but um apparently behind the scenes there was uh I did read an article about the Queen. Like they started dating during the show. And so the queen then a- had some like feedback for episodes and was like uh, poppycock. I think that's what it was. There was an episode that she was going to say poppycock and the queen was like, I do not want the future duchess to say the word poppycock on this show. And they had to edit that and change it. And I think she, she changed it to like B- <laughs> BS. <laughs> and It's just like, oh, that's better. <laughs> but it's just like poppycock was the word that you can't say.
1: It's weird, like the what the levels of like what's appropriate and what's not. Yes,
0: yeah, agreed. Here, let's talk about a character that you do know. Okay. Uh, not the character.
1: How about Marie Barone? I thought about her, but I wasn't sure if we were going in that direction. But yes, exactly,
0: because she is, she holds her kids, her sons, emotionally hostage. Mm All the time. She has to be the queen bee. To me, I think the best example of her as a manipulator was um, with the thank you notes for Robert and Amy after they got married. And like there's this whole episode about they're like oh I was going to write the thank you notes for all the presents and Marie's like oh but you need to get that out right away like we just got back from our honeymoon give us a couple minutes we're going to get we'll get these written it's like no you need to write these and like then manipulated them like oh this is so terrible and Amy kind of stood up to Marie in that moment Marie walked out and then Deborah's like this is what we've been waiting for and so Deborah's then conspiring with Amy to be like Marie thinks she's in charge and there's been no one to challenge her except for me and now. Now I've got you is like Robert and Ray are useless. And Frank just goes where the food is. And so I yeah. needed another person. And so like, then they're all going to have this whole plan to stand up to Marie. And I think like Ray runs across the street to warn
1: Marie that there's this coup going on and this huge political, like whatever. Oh, I think he, he goes to warn Frank, but Marie That's was right. like in the pantry and heard it. Yeah, yeah, who's
0: gonna warn Frank? That's right. And so yeah. it like all blows up, and then Amy's like, Deborah made me do this. I'm so sorry. I'll write these. And like Marie got what she wanted in anyway come to find out at the very end of the episode, the one she really cared about was writing a thank you to Lee and Stan. And they come over and she's just like, I'm so glad you recommended this wedding present that I buy Amy and because they wrote such a nice, uh, (laughs) uh, thank you note. And so like the whole thing was like Marie looking good that she recommended to them that present for the wedding. Yeah.
1: Well, I love like the, the pecking order with Marie because at one point, um, it was when Marie was trying to, like, get Robert and Amy to have kids. Yeah. And so, like, during that time, she was giving them all the, like, the extra attention and stuff. And Robert – it was one of the four of them. Robert, uh, Robert Rob Ray, and um, Amy and Deborah were all together. And Robert was saying, like, I'm going to soak this all up because after uh, – because when this goes all over, I'm going to go back to being number f- – he counts – number four. And Deborah's <laughs> was like, uh, excuse me, you're number four? He's like – okay three (laughs) because yep whether it's on purpose or not and she much as she claims she doesn't she clearly has favorites she clearly favors ray and amy clearly robert's wife over deborah and robert yes i mean she loves all of them but yeah that's clearly like the pecking order and like even frank you see frank will will make these you know smart comments here and there but when it comes when it comes right down to it, he's also scared of Marie.
0: Yeah. There's there's definitely some fear in it, but I think there's also a lot of that selfishness of like this is my meal ticket. I I will go with the food every time. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think he I don't really ever feel like he needs to be afraid. He just knows like I'm just doing this so I can eat. Yep. So, um Here's another one for you that you can talk, you know and you can talk about. I don't know if you have yeah. him on here. Jeff Winger. He's a manipulator. He's charismatic, he's douchey, but he definitely manipulates them. He manipulates the group, he manipulates the people around him just because that like he comes from that lawyer background, that's how he started it is manipulating to get into the law firm. Yeah. And then from there, he sets up these things with the group of like getting them on his side. Well, what was the one where it's um he made he made it some sort of comment to the group is like you know I I only did you guys think that I would emotionally manipulate you like I can't even do that like oh you're right and then Troy's like oh he's manipulating us right
1: now yeah reason I didn't ha- I think he's a good good pick the only one I didn't the reason I didn't have him is because he doesn't have like an overarching thing that he's manipulating to he's just manipulates along the way to be able to be as lazy as possible, basically. And cool looking. It's, oh yeah. It's, that too. it's gotta
0: be lazy. And then the appearance of awesome.
1: Yeah. Especially in the earlier seasons. So I'm, I'm listening along with a um, community rewatch podcast that has been going on for a couple of years. We're actually at, we're actually at the finale is the next episode they're going to do. So it's, wow. it's almost done. And watching this sixth season, it's like, there's some good moments, but like at, at the end, it's like, the show did not need to exist at the end. Like, what is Chang doing there? What is Abed doing? Like, not, they're all just shells of their former characters. Now, but, here's yeah, a man who
0: knows how to marry his cousin.
1: I just watched that episode. <laughs> I love that, that episode. Yeah, that, that is, is a, a shining point in otherwise blah season, I think. But yeah, Jeff Winger, it's like he knows how to work, especially you see it early on in season one when uh, he's trying to convince. Troy to join the football team. Was that even the pilot? And he's like No, that's
0: like second or third episode. It's early. It was still
1: very early on. He's like, How did you know my name was T-Bone? Because you're a football player and your name starts with (laughs) T.
0: It's great. And it's always fun too. like characters like Jeff Winger that manipulate. Obviously, the way that they gotta do it is that half of his plans blow up back in his face. Yeah. And that's it also,
1: it also has to work that he has the dean in his pocket whenever he needs it. I wouldn't call
0: Dwight on the office a manipulator, but he's definitely that other type where it's like he thinks he can scheme and then every time it fails, it always just once can one of my diabolical plans not bite me in the butt.
1: For whatever Jeff whatever. Winger is who Dwight thinks he is and wants to be, as far my, as his manipulation skills.
0: Yes, manipulation skills for sure.
1: Yeah. All right, I, I've taken a couple in a row, so why don't you go ahead and throw one out? All right, um, I have two left, and you can talk about either one. How about Terry Silver on Cobra Kai? He's fine.
0: I, I wish that that I wish I liked that character better, honestly.
1: Yeah, but I mean the whole thing of when as soon as he came in, he seemed like he was brought in by Kreese, yep. and then soon quickly became such a manipulator that he was able to even like frame Crease for assault, get him Get him sent to prison and take over. Like he took over for Creese, He took over for Johnny and he really became quickly like the villain. And the last season it took, it took like everybody coming together to take him down. I, I forget what happened with with him at the end. Cause he's, he's in the new season coming out. I haven't watched it yet.
0: Yeah. I forget how he ended his art. Cause I remember Creese broke out of jail. Yeah. And I remember that they, um, they recorded what he was saying and so yeah. they showed that recording to everyone and so all of Cobra Kai and uh the Russo mm-hmm. w- w- Mr. Miyagi Miyagi though um yeah. that has been a while now that I'm thinking about I was like I haven't seen that show. I think it's been a
1: year since but the, the new season I think is out now right I think oh, the new is, season it? is out. I think so it's either out or will be out soon but like when Kreese first went to to silver to try to recruit him he was saying no no i don't want to do it i'm out of that and then he came back and he was full in it was he actually manipulating from the start or would there was he actually trying to resist at first and then when he came back he's like okay if i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this
0: i think he really wasn't wanting to get back into it because i think he really did want to have better for himself that he knew that that world brought out the worst in him and that and then he just yep went with that yeah yep exactly yep makes sense um so yeah that's that's a melodramatic pick <laughs> yeah. you know that, that show there's a lot of fun in it, and so I'll give you a melodramatic pick as well, and that's Rumpel from once upon a time okay
1: now let me know like the the storybook version of Markcus Rumplestiltskin. And,
0: and he he really is that he's he is this master manipulator because Rumplestiltskin also kind of has this other moniker in the show as the dark one, but the dark one it's kind of like deal with a devil. You know he's he's kind of that Faust level that his catchphrase is like magic always comes with a price and he's constantly making deals that even when they come to out of the fairy tale world into the new world into our world he's still constantly making deals and like I'll give you this for a favor to be named later. And that favor isn't always going to be something that costs you too much than you wanted to pay in the first place. Yeah. And so he's he's that sort of deal maker guy that he does a lot. It's it, it's it's a really interesting dynamic because he also this is another show where all the bad guys are also good guys at any given point. And so they, it's like fast and the furious movies is that they're, they're a bad guy for a season. And then they become reformed after that first season. But he is a spoiler for like season three or four. He's the main kid's grandpa. And so, you know, he does like care about his family and like, the way that he protects it is through the subterfuge and these deals. And he makes these deals protect him and him and his own and to maintain power and to maintain control. And that's really all that he does. Even if he sometimes has the best intentions, it's still always through that duplicitous way.
1: Yeah. seems like a theme of all these guys is uh, a quest for power.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, that that's really what is interesting in characters is that a character who cares only about money—that's not super care. That's not super interesting. I don't. I no. can't think of a character that on this list that that's their primary con- concern or any characters that I think are really good that that's their primary concern. It's really about I need to have power to stop bad or to lord it over people or whatever.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, even like Gus Fring, he, he's shown to basically be having like a cartoonish. Level of money where like they show Mike was talking about building the facilities for these guys who are going to build the giant you know meth meth lab. Uh-huh. He's like, well, we need to have this and this and a basketball court and this and this. And they're like, he's like, money's no object. It's basically like finance wise, Gus Fring is Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. So like he's already achieved what he's already achieved it if if it's if it's money he's after.
0: And he drives a used Toyota.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, because. <laughs> Uh, on the legitimate side, yeah, he would be well-off owner of a franchise, but uh, he doesn't want to parade, hey, look, I got meth money, look at me.
0: What? No. (laughs) But you're right, he doesn't care about the money. It's about the revenge and the power struggle and all that. Yeah. You know who does care about the money? I I just found one person on the list of the two that I have left. Lucille Bluth. She cares okay. about money more than she cares about power. She cares about money more than she cares about her family. And you see like as the show goes on, that this show isn't so much about manipulators, but Lucille definitely is the one that's like I will yeah. I will pull those strings on anyone that I have to. And it eventually even comes out that a lot of the choices that uh, George senior made would be stuff that Lucille was pulling the strings behind the scenes yeah. that really, she was the one who needed to be in jail over George senior because she was constantly like involving in the business affairs and like, Oh, this is the best way to go about it. And it, everyone was expendable. Her own family was expendable. Yeah. It didn't matter. She has no allegiances to anyone. It's all about ma- money to her. So I guess there is one that you can make it interesting Yeah, because Jessica Walter does such a good job with it, her script too.
1: If she was gonna have, have allegiance to anybody, it would be Buster, but even then, not as much.
0: Yeah. She doesn't care for Job. No, I don't care <laughs> for Joe. <laughs> I don't know why I
1: said that in a British accent.
0: Yeah, she's uh she's not I don't know if you know. She's not British. She's just she also, stuck up.
1: Well, she's also not alive or anything, you know. That's that's also true. Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so do you I, get, you have one more?
1: I have one more. Okay. And this wrist is really only the manipulator in the first season, and that's Michael from The Good Place. Yeah. Cuz the whole thing is he, you know, he's the the demon who's uh manipulating these, these these four humans to try to get them to torture each other for eternity, and at the very end he's like he's the bad guy. And if you watch back knowing it, you can you can clearly, clearly see it, but I mean, I was surprised yeah. the first time around. I'm not sure if you were.
0: I I don't think anyone had told me the twist, but I think I had heard that there was a twist and that I figured that, that was the case halfway through, I think. Okay.
1: Yeah, I mean but starting with second season, he does a little bit, but in the second he, he once he joins them, he's not really the manipulator. He he's kind of like their guy who knows how the afterlife works, but Yeah. The first season he's really just pulling the strings and and trying to get them as miserable as possible.
0: That's my favorite Ted Danson role. I I really loved him in that role. He just he does so well of I don't even know how to explain cuz like he's nerdy a bit, mm-hmm. but he's also a little socially awkward, but he's also charismatic. It's he's he's walks this line with different adjectives that mm-hmm. shouldn't coexist, but he does it really well, and I yeah. love what he brings to the character.
1: Yeah. Speaking of Ted Danson, so I saw a clip. It's, uh, it was of Kirstie Alley hosting Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. and it was right after Cheers had ended. And so her monologue was like, oh, it's just so sad. I missed my Cheers family. And then she starts singing the Cheers theme song. And then it's like hidden in the audience is um, Woody Harrelson, Kelsey Grammer, Ted Danson, and George Wendt. And they all come out. And it's like a be- reunion. Like, hey, everybody. Nice. And then – they're all giving her hip tips like oh yeah we've all hosted SNL it's been you'll do great and then Kelsey Grammer keeps going like I- I've never hosted I- I've never hosted which is funny looking back now because he's probably like maybe after Ted Danson who had the, the biggest career after that but that was like yeah. right before Frasier was was getting was getting going and like he's the one who was never famous enough to host yeah <laughs> has he ever has he hosted since I don't I haven't looked it up I mean Frazier went for ten years. I would be shocked if he hasn't. Yeah. Um. Okay.
0: Got. I got one last one for you. This isn't something that you've seen, but our Star Trek fans out there uh, have seen this. So shout out to Beth and Wilbur and anyone else who has listened to this and loves Star Trek. Uh, There's a character, we meet him right away in Star Trek, in the first episode of Star Trek uh, The Next Generation. His name's Q. So Q is a godlike type alien in terms of he has those powers. Like, they're not really defined powers, but it really is like he can do anything he wants. He snaps his fingers and he can transport the Enterprise all the way across the universe to, like, thousands of light years away um he can make things impervious he can change the reality around people etc and so what he uses it for though he acts like he's like a big child where he's like testing humanity especially because he loves picard he loves to mess with picard and so we see q pop up a lot in next generation more than the other series but he'll still show up in some other the other ones but he just keeps coming back to Picard to like mess with him and like, I want to put you in these moral conundrums and test your ethics and et cetera. And so he's manipulative in terms of just, he can, con- he has the power to do whatever he wants to do. And when he intervenes, it's not to like stop some sort of evil, it's to have fun, it's to enjoy what he. It's yeah. to prank him. And it's it's such a dynamic character. I really like a lot of Q episodes. It's very interesting when he shows up because it also allows them to really do what Star Trek does best and explore ethical dilemmas by having an all-powerful cre- creation create these dilemmas. So it's a lot of fun.
1: It almost sounds like, I mentioned before, like like a gym, gym-style prank, but with god powers.
0: Yeah. I mean, it really is. Like he does some terrible stuff, and <laughs> like, but like, at least he doesn't for the Enterprise overall tend to let it go too far. I don't know if anyone's died and not come back from Q stuff. I, I maybe I'm speaking out of turn because I remember like he'll show up and like a whole deck gets destroyed off of the Enterprise, and like, oh, but then I think then he brings it back and it was like it never happened in the first place or something.
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah, I don't have much to talk about with Star with Star Trek. I gotta eventually get into some Star Trek, but yeah. like I said, there, there's too much that I'm catching up on.
0: Yeah, and especially now that they're still creating all this new content, that is like they've got like three active Star Trek shows right now. Star Trek: uh, The Lower Decks is showing new episodes each week on Paramount Plus. So I mean, they're still like they're milking that cash cow after they didn't know what to do after, with the reboot movies for a while.
1: Yeah. Well, like I'm – so spoiler alert. Coming up in a few weeks, we're going to be talking about Grey's Anatomy. So I'm trying to catch up on some. And I sent a Snapchat video of uh, this puppy. This puppy. uh, It's an actual
0: puppy, by the way. Yes. Yes.
1: I, I got puppy. this puppy. I showed Matt on the camera, but uh our our uh, guest who we're gonna have on for the start for the one I sent her a video of the puppy, and just by like one word of Meredith Grey in the she's like you're watching Grey's Anatomy. I'm like, yeah, that's impressive. <laughs> you got it All me. I said was Thanksgiving episode. She's like, oh yeah, that's where this happens. This happened. This happens. Like she is to Grey's Anatomy, but I am to like The officer Lost or you are to Back to the Future. It's like that's her thing
0: wow, yeah, I, I feel sorry for her.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've watched like six
0: or seven seasons of Grey's Anatomy, and I'm like, well, this is fine.
1: But it, I'm just watch- got, it
0: got so preachy and so annoying, it's the yeah. same thing over and over.
1: It's dramatic. I'm watching it through from the beginning, but then you and her both gave me a list of episodes, and so I think in the week leading up to it, I'm going to jump ahead and make sure I watch those episodes, because you guys gave me, like, these are the good ones to watch, because that way yeah. I'll have I'll have more to to talk about during that, but that's, that's just behind the scenes talk for all you listeners.
0: Did I, did I spoil it? That one of the
1: episodes I gave you was a musical episode. No, but I figured that was the case. Cause I knew they did one. Yep. It seems like if you take the comedy out of scrubs and all like the JD's fantasies out of scrubs, you get Grey's Anatomy.
0: Yes. It's very melodramatic and, and it works for a certain amount of seasons but it's one of those shows that overstate its welcome where it's like, okay, not one one hospital would not go through all of this over the course yeah. of a decade.
1: No way. I mean, I, I get why they're still making it because it makes everyone there a, a ton of money. Like, yep. yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's the same thing. Like why are they making so many fast and furious movies? Because it makes them tons of money. Oh, that's fair. If I could make a movie and get paid millions of dollars, I'd, I'd probably keep doing it.
0: That's true. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're all about that power and the money here. Us manipulating. Well, that's, that's all that we got. I'm sure there are other manipulators. I got on a roll about it. And, you know, if you guys are like, hey, what about this character? Let us know yeah um so let's jump into trivia Well, we had two of our trivia questions last week because both brian's had a comment last week we ha- did the 90s uh tv shows and we had our special guest brian Almond on and so brian asked us the question um in the graduation episode of boy meets world topanga gets accepted to a college and she's going to be leaving what college did she get accepted to brian
1: the same college that Rory Gilmore went to, which was Yale University.
0: Yale University. Why you? You! That sounds pronounced. Um, so, Brian, and then, Brian, you had another question, too.
1: I asked, who was the singing voice of Simba in The Lion King? We all know that Jonathan Taylor Thomas from Home Improvement was Simba's speaking voice as a kid. The child Simba's singing voice was Jason Weaver, who was the older brother on Smart Guy.
0: Ooh, Jason Weaver, I believe you can get me through the night.
1: Oh, it took me a second. I'm like, what are you singing? <laughs> Dream Weaver. Yeah. yeah, I get it now. Is that, is, was that Kansas? No, that was oh, Gary Wright. Hmm. Okay. I Not thought it was Kansas. Kansas.
0: He was with Gary left. That guess jerk. <laughs> Hey, uh, two wrongs don't make a left. Uh, don't make two wrongs don't make a right, but three lefts do.
1: So it's funny. Like I was um, driving with Kim the other day, and I said, "Like, am I taking a right up ahead?" He's like, "No, make sure you're in the right lane." So I am taking a right. He's like, "Oh, yeah." For some reason, I thought you said left. I'm like, <laughs> "It's one of those." What is that? Like the Abbott and Costello? Am I taking a left, right? Oh, I'm going a right. No,
0: go left. Okay, so go <laughs> left, right. Yeah.
1: Or uh, in uh, the Muppet movies, um, Bear Left, Right Frog. Fork in the road. Yep.
0: All right. So um, we talked about briefly Lionel Luther, played by John Glover. Uh, John Glover is no stranger to the DC universe. Can you name uh, either a character he has been in another DC project or what that DC project was? Because there's two that actually he has appeared in that I can think of. There could be more.
1: I can't. Well, then
0: you are getting <laughs> fired into the barrel of the sun. The barrel. The, the middle of the. So
1: the Shut up. Had... Words are hard. The sun has hard. a, <laughs> Listen, sun has a for...
0: It is. When we talk for an hour straight, I've used up my entire vocabulary. I only have so many words I'm allotted to say in one day. So
1: This isn't even near our longest episode.
0: No, it's not. I just. I'm just half drunk. So we're we're almost there. Anyway, <laughs> let us know what you're what you think and uh then I'll tell you if you're right one of those two episodes. Or if you're like, hey, I know this other one that uh you didn't even know that John Glover was in. I'll be like, Yeah, you got me. The guy who yeah. does a lot of stuff. So all right. Well, until next time, I'm Matt. I'm Brian. And we're reminding you to stay tuned and keep watching.